Hello. Welcome back to Episode 7 of the Comscure Podcast, a weekly rundown of the latest communications, tech news, and trends. My name is Jason. I'm your host, and today we have a lineup of exciting topics to cover. We'll be discussing a summary of the latest developments in the tech industry, from AI technology to the new iPhone, and several other highlights in cybersecurity. Our first article today comes from TechCrunch, reporting that ChatGPT has been blocked in Italy. For those who may not know, ChatGPT is a popular AI language model developed by OpenAI. It has been used in various applications, including chatbots, virtual assistants, automated content generation. However, it seems that Italy has decided to ban the use of ChatGPT in their country. According to TechCrunch, the Italian government cited concerns over the potential misuse of the technology for harmful purposes, such as spreading misinformation or hate speech. The decision has caused quite a stir in the tech community, with some arguing that a ban could stifle innovation and limit the potential benefits of AI technology. It's important to note that this is not the first time that concerns have been raised over the use of AI for malicious purposes. As AI technology continues to advance and become more widespread, it's crucial that we address these issues and find ways to mitigate potential risks. So to you out there, what are your thoughts by the Italian government to block chat GPT? Do you think it's a necessary precaution or an overreaction? According to a recent article on TomsGuide.com, the new iPhone may come with a solid-state button that could offer a whole lot of more functionality. The article explains that the traditional physical buttons on the side of your iPhone, like the volume buttons and the power button, could be replaced with a solid-state button. This means that the buttons would be touch-sensitive instead of physically clickable. But what's really exciting in this development is the potential for additional functionality. With touch-sensitive buttons, users could perform different actions depending on how they touch the button. For example, a short press on the volume button could adjust the volume while a long press could activate Siri. There's no. There's also the possibility of customization. Users could program the buttons to perform specific tasks or launch certain apps with the specific touch pattern. Of course, this is all speculation at this point as Apple is yet to confirm anything, but it's exciting to think about the potential for solid-state buttons on the iPhone 15. Our next article comes from the Cisco Newsroom, and it's all about the future of work. As we continue to navigate the new normal of work, many organizations have shifted to a more hybrid work model. This means that employees can work remotely uh, from home or in person, depending on the needs and preferences. Cisco's latest report, The Next Horizon in Hybrid Work, discusses the challenges and opportunities that come with this new way of working. According to the report, one of the biggest challenges that organizations face is ensuring that their remote workers have access to the same tools and resources as their in-person colleagues. This means investing in secure and reliable network infrastructure that can support remote access to critical applications and data. Another challenge that organizations face is maintaining a sense of community and collaboration among their employees. With remote workers scattered across different locations, it can be difficult to foster a sense of teamwork and camaraderie. To address this, Cisco recommends using collaboration tools like WebEx and Jabber to facilitate virtual meetings and chats. The report also highlights the importance of prioritizing cybersecurity in a hybrid work environment. With more employees working remotely, organizations need to ensure that their networks and devices are secure and protected from cyber threats. In terms of opportunities, Cisco sees hybrid work as a way for organizations to attract and retain top talent. By offering flexible work arrangements, organizations can provide a better work-life balance for their employees and ultimately improve job satisfaction and retention rates. Overall, uh, Cisco highlights the challenges and opportunities that come 
with the shift to this hybrid work environment. By investing in secure, reliable network infrastructure, using collaboration tools to facilitate virtual meetings, and prioritizing cybersecurity, organizations can successfully navigate this new way of working. Next up, we have some exciting news from Netgear, which has introduced the first Wi-Fi 7 router, unlocking the next generation of high-performance connectivity. Netgear, a leading manufacturer of networking equipment, has just announced the launch of the Nighthawk AXE 11000, the world's first Wi-Fi 7 router. This router promises to unlock the next generation of high-performance connectivity with its cutting-edge technology. For those who are unfamiliar, Wi-Fi 7 is the latest wireless communication standard that offers the fastest speeds and more reliable connections compared to its predecessor, Wi-Fi 6, or if you heard about it, Wi-Fi 6E. With Wi-Fi 7, users can experience download speeds of up to 30 gigabits per second and a reduction in latency for improved online gaming and streaming experiences. But what makes the Nighthawk AXE 11000 stand out from other Wi-Fi 7 routers? Well, it has a 12-stream tri-band Wi-Fi configuration that can handle more devices at once without sacrificing performance. This means that you can connect more devices to the internet without experiencing any lag or slow speeds. The router also features an advanced multi-gig internet port that allows for up to 2.5 gigabits per second wired speeds, which is ideal for those who want to take advantage of the latest fiber internet connections. The Nighthawk AXE 11000 also comes with built-in security features to keep your devices and network safe from potential cyber threats. Of course, the Nighthawk AXE is not for everyone. It's designed for power users and enthusiasts who want the latest and greatest technology. That also means it comes with a higher cost to, to get those things. But hey, if you want it, you'll pay for it. But those who want to future-proof their home network and stay ahead of the curve, this router is definitely worth considering. The Nighthawk's AXE is now available, available for purchase and is priced around $600. While this may be, seem expensive, the advanced features and performance make it a worthwhile investment for those who demand the best from their home network. Our next topic is about the upcoming watchOS 10 and new features that are expected to come with it. In the latest watchOS 10 features, as reported by Mark German from 9to5Mac. So if you're a fan of Apple Watches, you're in for a treat. According to German's report, the new watchOS 10 is expected to bring a whole host of new features to your wrist. Let's dive into some of these exciting updates, shall we? First, the new watchOS will have a redesigned control center that'll make it easier to access frequently used features. Users will be able to customize the layout and choose which options to display. Another exciting update is the ability to use the Apple Watch as a car key. This feature will enable users to unlock and start their cars with the Apple Watch without the need for a physical key or even their iPhone. Currently, this feature is limited to a few car models, but we can expect to expand it in the future. Next, the new watchOS will have a focus mode that will help users limit distractions during work hours or other important times. Users will be able to set up custom focus modes and choose which notifications to receive, allowing for better productivity and focus. German's report also suggests that the new watchOS will bring updates to the fitness app, including new workouts and metrics. Users will also be able to share their fitness data with their friends, family, adding social elements to staying healthy. Finally, the new watchOS will include a new feature called administrative touch. This feature will allow users to control the watch using hand gestures, making it easier for people with physical disabilities to use the device. Overall, these are a welcome addition to an already impressive 
product lineup, the Apple Watch has become an integral part of many people's lives. I see it on the street almost every day, and these new features will only enhance its functionality and probably help it get on a few more wrists out there in the wild. Moving on, have you ever been having trouble trying to get your Apple Weather app, uh, which is not working on your devices? Well, you're not alone. According to a recent article from, from 9to5Mac, many users have been experiencing problems with the app not working properly. So what's going on with the Weather app? I thought they got that new dark time streams, whatever application that's supposed to make it better. Well, it seems that the issue is affecting users in multiple regions, and it's been going on for some time now. Um, the app is failing to display accurate information and is sometimes not loading at all. The issue has been reported to by, uh, by users on both iOS, iPadOS platforms, and it's unclear at this point what's causing it. Some users have speculated that the issue is related to a recent update to the app, while others believe it might be related to server-side uh, problems on Apple's end. Regardless of the cause, it's clear that this is a frustrating issue for users who rely on the weather app to plan their day. I tried to go running, and I couldn't figure out if it was raining or not. It was pretty sad. Many, many have taken to social media to voice their complaints, and some have even turned to just third-party apps, uh, weather apps as a temporary solution or permanent solution because it's hard to come back when you know something works. Ha uh, now... Before you go and download a new weather app, it is important to note that Apple is aware of the issue and is working on a fix. In fact, the company has, has already released a statement acknowledging the problem and stating that a fix is on the way. We'll see. But so you're so if you're experiencing issues with the Apple weather app, don't worry. Help is on the way. But in the meantime, you might want to consider using another weather app such as AccuWeather or the Weather Channel to get your daily forecast. Just be careful which app you download. Some some of them, like I think it was WeatherBug, was actually keeping and data mining all your data. So pay attention to what they're recording and, uh, and keeping track of you while you're cheap keeping track of the weather around you. In a recent poll uh, conducted by 9to5Mac, readers were asked what new features they would like to see in the upcoming iOS 17 and iPadOS 17 updates. According to this recent poll, users are most excited about potential new features. Uh, these respondents indicated that they were excited about the possibility of a new home screen widget and customization options. This is not surprising, as many users have been requesting these features for some time now. The current version of iOS and iPadOS does not allow for some widget customization, but... Users have been looking for, um, for more options and flexibility. Another popular feature that users are looking forward to is the improved multitasking capabilities. Many users frequently use multi multiple apps simultaneously, and the current version of iPadOS and iOS can be a bit limiting in this regard. Apple has not yet released any official information about the new features in iOS 17 and iPadOS 17, but... Based on this poll, it's clear that users are looking for more customization options and multitasking capabilities, just like Android, which is why many people don't want to switch from Android to Apple. Finally, in the world of Apple, for all the car enthusiasts out there, 9to5Mac has also reported that several GM vehicles now support CarPlay. GM recently revealed that the upcoming electric vehicle, the EV600, will feature wireless CarPlay support. For those who may not know, CarPlay is Apple's in-car software that allows drivers to use their iPhone while on the road. Users can access features such as maps, music, and phone calls throughout their car's dashboard display. Uh, Android has a similar feature, so they both got something. Now, 
This is not the first time that GM has implemented CarPlay to support their vehicles, but it is the first time that it will be available wirelessly. Big deal. The EV600 will be one of the first vehicles on the market to feature this technology. The wireless feature is a huge step forward for the auto industry as it will provide a more seamless and convenient experience for drivers. No more tangled cords or having to plug in your phone every time you get into your car, although I do like to charge it while I'm on the go. But let's talk a little bit more about the EV600 itself. There is an all-electric commercial vehicle. This is an all-electric all commercial vehicle that was designed for delivery and other business-related services. It has a range of up to 250 miles on a single charge, which is great for those long days on the road. GM has also equipped the EV600 with several safety features, such as automatic emergency braking and lane-keeping assistance. So these features will not only make the driver's job easier, but also help prevent accidents, especially for probably a really expensive electric car. So what does this announcement mean for the future of CarPlay and the auto industry as a whole? Well, it's clear that we're heading towards a more wireless and connected future. And if I can get a wireless charging pad in there with my wireless charging uh, and connected capability, that even, even more the better. Uh, as more and more vehicles begin to incorporate wireless technology, we can expect to see even more innovation and integration between our cars and our mobile devices. Our next focus area uh, for topic, focus area topic for today features Google and its search feature, search filter for desktop. Uh, according to a recent article on 9to5Google, Google has, has added a, a new search filter for desktop for users that allows them to filter their search results based on the type of content they are looking for. This is big news for all the Google users out there. Google has recently introduced this new search filter for desktop uh, users, allowing them to filter results by date. This is a really useful tool for people who are looking for the latest news and, and uh, or information on a particular topic. When you search for something on Google, you'll see a new filter option on the sidebar that allows you to sort the results by date. You can select a range of dates or choose a specific date to see only the most recent search results. This is all part of Google's ongoing effort to make their search engine more user-friendly and efficient. With so much information available on the internet, it can be difficult to find the most relevant and up-to-date results, and this new filter makes it much easier for people to get the information they need quickly and easily. Just be wary, because it is Google, that the first couple of things might be ads. Um, just be aware of that, by two cents. But this feature will be especially useful for people who rely on Google search for work or research. It's also a great for anyone who wants to stay up to date on current events or trends. Moving on, our next article is about the rumored Galaxy S23 FE and its Exynos processor. Samsung has been known for releasing their mid-range versions of their flagship phones, which is the Galaxy S20 FE, the Galaxy S21 FE, and now rumors suggest that the South Korean tech giant is already working on a successor to the Galaxy S23 FE. According to 9to5Google, the, the Galaxy S23 FE will reportedly be powered by an Exynos chip, which is a departure from their Snapdragon processors found in the U.S. versions of the S21 and S21 FE. This is because Samsung is said to be developing their own chipset, which will be used in future devices, including the rumored Galaxy Z Fold 4. The Exynos chip is also said to be more powerful than the Snapdragon chip and will, be, and will offer better graphics and faster processor speeds. This could make the Galaxy S23 FE a top contender in that mid-range phone market. 
In addition to the new chip, the Galaxy S23 FE is expected to feature a 6.5-inch FHD Plus AMOLED display with 120 hertz refresh rate, a triple camera setup, and a 4,800 mega amp battery. Of course, these are just rumors at this point, and Samsung is yet to confirm or deny any of these details. But if the rumors are true, we can expect the Galaxy S23 FE to be released in the fall of 2023, possibly around September. So that raises the question, what do you think about rumors in the Galaxy S23 FE with an Exynos chip? Do you think it's a game changer for the mid-range phone market? Hmm, maybe. We'll see. In other news, Android users will be pleased to know that they can now use what is called the nearby share on Windows, as reported by 9to5Google. Recently, Google announced that a new feature for its nearby share service, and it's time for Windows users to get that as well. For those of you who may not be familiar with it, nearby share is a feature that allows you to share files and links wirelessly between Android devices, and now it's available with Windows too. This feature has been available on Android devices to device to device since last year, and it's been proven to be quite popular among Android users, although it's very similar to what Apple's been doing for a little while now. A little bit backward, back up as far as Android copying Apple, but I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of features that have been in Android for years, so this is, you know, you get one compared to like 50. But hey, with the new update, Nearby Share can now be used to transfer files between Android and Windows devices seamlessly. This new feature allows you to share files and links between your Android devices and Windows PC without having to use cables or other third-party apps. With Nearby Share, you can share photos, videos, documents, and even web pages instantly. And the best part is you don't need an internet connection to use it, so it's kind of like Bluetooth, I guess. The process of using Nearby Share on Windows is pretty straightforward. All you have to do is turn on Nearby Share on your Android device and make sure your PC is set up to receive files via Bluetooth, like I just said. Once you've done that, you can start sharing files between your devices. This is just a great addition for those who use both Android and Windows devices regularly, although it's kind of odd to see using Android and Mac, so I don't know what else the article kind of expected. But anyone who does, I can attest to it as being pretty much a hassle to transfer files between the two. So having a seamless, easy-to-use tool like Nearby Share is definitely a game-changer. Last but not least in the world of Android and Google, Google has just announced their new Tensor SOC, which is set to revolutionize the world of artificial intelligence. Uh, What we've identified is that uh, what you need to know about this new Tensor chip and what it kind of means for AI and the future of it. So what is Tensor? Essentially, it's Google's custom-designed system on a chip, or SOC, system on a chip, even though there's no A. That's optimized for AI workloads. It's similar to Apple's M1 chip, M2 chip, and is expected to power Google's future flagship devices, including the future Pixel lineup. Tensor has been involved in the development for years, and according to Google, it's the company's biggest investment in consumer hardware to date. One of the most exciting aspects of Tensor is that it will bring a lot of AI processing power to the devices, which will make them more efficient and smarter. For example, Tensor will be able to process voice commands on your phone without needing to connect to the cloud, internet, aka outside of the system itself, which will result in faster response times and improved privacy if the knowledge is residing on the phone. So that that might be a question as to whether or not it actually does it. But it sounds nice. Uh, It will also enable features like Live Translate, where your phone can translate conversations in real time. Pretty neat if you got that friend that's from another country or you're trying to figure out how to say the right thing. 
Tensor will also play a critical, uh, critical role in the future of Google's augmented reality and virtual reality efforts. So that's not dying, folks. People are still trying to de develop for it. The chip's AI capabilities will enable Google to create more realistic and interactive AR experiences, such as Google's new AR walking directions, which use the phone's camera and sensor to provide step-by-step -step directions in the real world. And lastly, Tensor will allow Google to provide more personalized experiences for users, such as the Google Assistant, which will be able to understand natural language processing more accurately and respond faster. It might understand you even if you might have a little bit of a heftier or stronger accent. That's pretty neat. Tensor will also improve Google's computational photography capabilities, which will enable better image processing and video st stabilization. I come to mind, what comes to mind for me is that uh, iPhone 14 commercial where the mom is running down, you know, chasing her son, doing the race that's winning, outrunning the other kids. And now Google's processor, aside from having the magic eraser capability, will be able to keep up with that and have a smooth picture across the way. In conclusion, Tensor is a uh, significant investment for, for Google and it's, it's a game changer for the world of AI. We can expect to see the first devices powered by that Tensor chip later this year, and we're excited to see what new experiences and features it will bring to our devices. And now on to the world of cybersecurity. The first article comes from Fortinet, which discusses the importance of having a single vendor secure access service edge or SASE solution to protect a hybrid workforce. As the world continues to shift towards more remote work and hybrid work models, kind of like we were talking about in the Cisco article earlier, businesses are faced with the challenge of providing secure and reliable connectivity to their employees, regardless of their location. And one solution for that is gaining popularity is that SASE, uh, Secure Access Service Edge capability. Uh, recently, Fortinet had released a blog post discussing the benefits of this single vendor, vendor SASE approach to secure the hybrid workforce. According to the blog post, using a single vendor for both security and networking can provide better visibility, control, and security for remote workers, especially if you got one system and one set of interfaces that are similar. They can all talk better than interoperable systems that should be using the same standard but are not using the same standard. So by using that single vendor for both networking and security, businesses can solve a more streamlined approach to managing their network security policies. And this is also this is also something that can lead to cost savings by reducing the need for multiple vendors and reducing the complexity of the network. But what exactly is SASE? SASE is an emerging technology that combines networking and security functions into a cloud-based service. SASE provides secure access to applications and services regardless of the user's location. One of the key benefits of SASE is its ability to provide zero trust access, which means that access to applications and services is granted on a need-to-know basis rather than just by default access any, any can see it all. This can help prevent unauthorized access and reduce risks of data breaches. In addition to zero trust access, SASE also provides other security features such as secure, uh, secure web gateway, firewall, and cloud access security brokers or CASB functionalities. These features work together to provide a comprehensive security solution for remote workers. Overall, a single vendor SASE approach can just provide businesses with a more streamlined and secure solution for managing their remote workforce. As the world continues to shift towards that remote work, it's important for businesses to stay up to date on the latest technology and solutions to ensure their employees can work safely and securely from anywhere. Hey, just like we were talking about in the other article.
the next article is from Fortinet, and it's about comprom uh, a compromised desktop app from 3CX. So for those who are not familiar with 3CX, it's a VoIP, Voice Over Internet Protocol phone system that allows businesses to make and receive calls over the internet. And unfortunately, it seems that attackers have found a way to, to compromise it. Uh, according to the blog post by Fortinet, the attackers used a method called DLL sideloading, which is a technique that involves tricking a legitimate program into loading a malicious DLL, a dynamic linked library, DLL. In this case, the attackers used the malicious DLL disguised as a legitimate one to gain access to the victim's computer. Now, this is a serious concern because once the attackers have access to the victim's computer, they can potentially steal sensitive information, install other malware, and even take control of the computer itself. The good news is that 3CX has released a patch to fix this vulnerability, so if you are using 3CX, make sure to update your software as soon as possible. The patch is out there. Do it. And as always, it's important to have proper cybersecurity measures in place, such as firewalls, antivirus protection, um, or software, regular uh, do, uh, applying regular updates and protecting yourself and your business from these kind of attacks. So just be proactive. Uh, next from Fortinet, we learn about MooBot, a botnet that targets vulnerabilities in the in cacti and real tech uh, uh, devices. MooBot has has struck again, and this time uh, targeting vulnerabilities. Uh, as many have may or may not already know, it MooBot is a notorious botnet known for di conducting distributed denial of service or DDoS attacks and spreading the malware. And now it has resurfaced with uh, new tactics to infect vulnerable systems. Uh, according to Fortinet's latest blog post, MooBot is using a new technique to target devices running Cacti and Realtek software. Uh, these devices are often used by IT pros for network monitoring and management. The attackers are exploiting two vulnerabilities in Cacti and Realtek to take control of the devices and add them to their botnet. Once infected, the devices can be used to launch DDoS attacks and steal sensitive information. This is a serious threat to organizations that use this software. Fortinet uh, recommends that organizations uh, apply the latest security patches and update their systems to protect against these latest uh, vulnerabilities. That's not all. MooBot is also known for constantly evolving, and, uh, and attackers are finding more and more ways to infect your system. So it's just another reason to show how critical organizations need to remain vigilant and proactive in keeping their systems up to date with these latest security patches. Lastly, from Fortinet, we have an article about wiper malware. This is some serious stuff, folks, so uh, let's get into it. Um, Fortinet, uh, FortiGuard Labs recent, uh, team recently discovered a new malware strain called Wiper. That's it, Wiper. The name alone should give you an idea of how bad it is. This malware is designed to cause as much destruction as possible to the organization's data and network. It's not your typical ransomware that just encrypts your data and demands payment. It just straight up wipes your data. So this was known out there. There's somebody that just took the name for themselves as I'm, I've got wiper malware. So now what makes it uh, unique is that it's designed to attack multiple operating systems to include um, Windows, Linux, and Mac OS. And it's just not a one-trick pony. Um, so that's what makes it a significant threat, uh, more so than previous malware strains that only focused on one particular operating system. According to Fortinet's blog post, wiper targets three different ways to infiltrate the system. That's email, web browsing, and remote access protocols. What's more concerning is that Wiper can remain dormant in a system for months 
before it becomes active, making it difficult to detect. Now, it's not entirely clear who's behind this malware. Fortinet researchers speculate that it's likely a state-sponsored actor or a criminal uh, or a significant criminal organization that's looking to cause a disruption for financial gain. Either way, the motive behind the malware is clear, and that's to create chaos and destruction. This is yet another reminder to cybersecurity pros that they should be on top of as much as they can, all of their capabilities as a priority for their organization. So if you are an IT manager and all these things we've listed or a security pro, uh, make sure that you're taking the steps to protect your organization and, and from these types of threats. And if you're not sure where to start, contact any, pretty much any reputable security vendor like Fortinet, Sophos, um, Cisco, anybody's willing to help you secure your systems. Next in cybersecurity, we got an article from the Barracuda blog which highlights the increasing threat of repeat ransomware attacks. Ransomware attacks, nothing new, kind of kind of sort of alluded to in the previous article, but what happens when they strike again and again and again? Recently, Barracuda Networks released a blog in their blog post detailing the rise of repeat ransomware attacks. According to their research, one in four organizations that paid a ransom in 2020 was targeted again. This is alarming as it suggests that these organizations are not properly securing their systems even after they've experienced a ransomware attack. This raises an important question. Why are your organizations not taking necessary steps to protect their systems from future attacks? Uh, one possible explanation could be that the organizations do not want to invest. Invest. Put that money to work in the necessary security measures or do not have the expertise to do so. This is where managed security service providers and systems come in. Uh, they can help organizations protect their systems from ransomware attacks and other cybersecurity threats. Pay somebody else to do it if you're small or you don't know what to do. Again, it was us talking about Sophos and um, Cisco or anybody. They've got folks that you can pay to help support you. But another explanation could be that the organizations do not understand the severity of ransomware attacks and believe that paying the ransom is the quickest and easiest solution. However, paying the ransom only encourages cyber criminals to continue their attacks and may not even result in the decryption of your stolen data. Might, they just might give you crappy information, so you don't even know. So what can an organization do to protect themselves against these attacks? First and foremost, they need to implement a robust so, so a cybersecurity plan that includes backups, network segmentation, and most importantly, employee training. Those regular backups can help the organizations quickly recover from the attack without having to pay the ransom. Network segmentation can limit the spread of the ransomware depending on what ports and protocols you got open to other parts of the network. And the employee training can help prevent attacks from happening in the first place by teaching your employees how to identify and avoid phishing emails and other social, social engineering tactics. Repeat ransomware attacks are a serious issue and organizations need to address them by implementing these robust cybersecurity plans and working with managed teams and organizations as well as implementing as much training as possible so that you can protect your sensitive data. In other news, Apple has released patches that fix a zero-day vulnerability in iOS 15. Apple recently released uh, an, an update that fixes several security vulnerabilities, including a zero-day flaw that could allow attackers to execute malicious code remotely. A zero-day vulnerability was discovered by a security researcher who reported it to Apple. The company then released a patch to fix the issues and protect iOS 15 users from the potential attacks. For those who don't know, a zero-day vulnerability is a security flaw in a software or hardware that is known to the vendor or manufacturer. 
This means that there is no patch or fix available, making it a prime target for attackers to exploit. And a zero-day uh, vulnerability can be used to gain unauthorized access to a system, steal sensitive information, install malware or ransomware, and even take control of the affected device. Definitely something to be worried about. Apple's fix uh, is involved uh, addressing the issue within what was the WebKit browser engine, which is used in Safari and other iOS apps. It's kind of the default. It's kind of all over the place in Apple. So it's good that they patched it. And the patch ensures that the vulnerability can no longer be exploited by attackers. Again, if you have a device, patch your stuff. The easiest way to ensure their devices are updated with the latest software version, um, which will address this fix for the zero-day vulnerability, as well as other security patches that have been put out recently. On a different note, law enforcement agencies have been using fake DDoS, distributed denial of service services, to take down wannabe cyber criminals. This is pretty neat. The article that we've got comes from Naked Security by Sophos. It pointed out how police officers are using fake DDoS services to take down these fake cyber, uh, these wannabe or soon-to-be or fledgling, emerging, whatever, cyber, cyber criminals. It's a tactic that's been used for years, but it's recently gained a lot of attention due to the success rate it's had. Essentially, police officers create fake DDoS services and then offer them to potential cyber criminals looking to take down websites. Once they're on the board, the police officers can track them and take them down. Now, some people have criticized this, criticized this tactic, saying that it's not ethical for police officers to create fake DDoS services, but... Others argue it's a necessary tactic in the fight against cybercrime. Hey, I'm just putting it out there. The cops are just putting it out there. If you want to bite, you bite. That's on you. So I, I don't I don't fault them for it. Lastly, we have a blog from SonicWall on the importance of cybersecurity in preventing disasters uh, from being online. This is kind of an interesting article from SonicWall uh, from the SonicWall blog titled Cybersecurity: Preventing Disaster from Being Online. Pretty simple. Uh, in this article, SonicWall discusses the importance of cybersecurity in preventing disasters and the step organizations can take to protect themselves. With the increasing number of cyber attacks, like we already mentioned here, uh, it, it's becoming more important than ever for businesses to prioritize these cybersecurity measures. And one of the main points of the article is that cybersecurity is not just about technology, but about the people and the processes. And it's important for organizations to have a comprehensive cybersecurity strategy, as we mentioned before, again, training your employees, implementing passwords and regular backups, people, uh, of your data. Another important aspect in the article is that, that was mentioned is constant monitoring and threat detection. So if you don't have the skills in-house, pay somebody to do it. Cyber attacks can happen at any time, and it's important for all businesses to have systems in place to detect and respond to these, these, these threats as quickly as possible. So that's all we've got for today in today's episode. I hope you found this information helpful. Please stay tuned for more updates and news from, uh, in, from us in the Cobbs Gear podcast and the world of technology. So until the next time, thank you for dialing in and have a good day.